0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to a podcast extra edition of ABC Radio National's The Bookshelf. I'm Kate Evans with a discussion today about the life and significance of the writer Madeline John The reason... Well, I hope you heard last week's show about fiction and work. It was part of our monthly book club series, where we paired Kikuko Sumura's Japanese novel in translation, There's No Such Thing as an Easy Job, with Madeline St. John's the Women in Black, which is also known as The Ladies in Black. Now, in that discussion, you heard a few extracts from an interview with St. John's biographer, The journalist Helen Trinker. Well, here now is the full interview. Helen Trinker, thank you so much for speaking to us on the bookshelf.
0: Thank you, it's a pleasure.
1: Now, what was it about this woman, Madeline John, that caught your interest?
0: I got very excited when I read her novel, *A Pure Clear Light*. It had been republished by Text, I think, around 2011. And I read a review in The Australian, in fact, and thought, gosh, that's a great little book and ordered it and got it and was very, really loved it, loved the way she went straight into the story. Uh, The dialogue was fantastic. The observation was terrific. The ideas were really good as well in that book, you know, ideas about God and faith and love and marriage and, you know, how to be in the modern world. Anyway, all delivered with a very light touch. Um, So I got quite interested in her and then more interested in her life as well, because of course she was fairly unknown to Australians um, for a long, long time and had written only a few little books, four books. But she came from a fairly famous family in some ways because her father, Ted St. John, had been a very well-known liberal politician, partly because he was such a dissident in some ways and such a, a, a maverick, I suppose we used to call him in the in the 60s. Um, and uh, so, you know, I kind of was interested in that. I discovered, as people had known for some time, that her mother had suicided when Madeline was very young and that had really sort of damaged her and affected her life. So that was the starting point to do the biography and also, of course, to read her other books. <laughs> But how would you
1: describe her as as a person in the sort of broadest possible sense? Well,
0: as a, as a person, I mean, obviously, I never knew her. She died in 2006. Um, uh, but I spoke, of course, to many, many people who knew her, who her contemporaries, which was a wonderful biography to do because she left very few papers. Well, no papers, really, a few letters. But so it was a journey of discovery to find her friends, many of whom, of course, were Australians. And talk to them about her. So she emerges as a very difficult person, indeed. She's very kind, generous, smart, intelligent, savvy, and yet so complex and so internally, I think, um, divided on, within herself that so that at times she could behave in a very cruel way. She would pull people into her very closely, and then just let them go without many um, explanations she was, I guess in some ways we would call in modern sort of language, fairly damaged um, psychologically, I suppose, and yet an incredible survivor. You know, she had suffered depression and she suffered, uh, I suppose, a trauma of her mother, suicide, but she um, emerged from that as a as a very um, interesting and um, ultimately highly successful writer in the sense that her books are very good. You know, she didn't have a lot of, didn't have major success when she was alive, but um, since her death and since the republication of them by text publishing, you know, she has received um, much more acclaim. What
1: was her relationship to Australia?
0: It was very um, odd. She, to be honest, she was quite a snob about Australia. She had grown up here and she wasn't, uh, I I don't think that necessarily that unhappy about Australia as a nation. But by the time she, um, she married and went to uh, first to America with her then husband, and then to the UK, she decided that the new world, the real world, you know, the true world was um, Europe, France, France, preferably, but London um, London was, you know, very much good enough for someone who couldn't really speak French. So she s- sat herself down in London and stayed there for, you know, from about 1968 until her death. So her relationship to Australia was, um, like many expats of that time, uh, a sense that Australia was, you know, a cultural, you know, dead hole. She came back a couple of times, but she didn't... I don't know that she really got Australia or really understood Australia. So, yeah, she was a pr- pretty much a snob about... Australian and reasonably um, dismissive of uh, of it.
1: And so in your biography, you build up this picture of this incredibly complex woman who at times can be bitter. She can be negative about Australia. But in her first novel, The Women in Black, she seems very generous about the place. I mean, what do you make of that?
0: Yeah, I mean, that is one of the most interesting things she said um, to friends at the time before she launched into novel writing in her 50 s um, and uh, that she didn't want to, there are too many sad books and she didn't need to add to the sort of sad books so she was very interested in in uh, you know in providing us i guess with a at one level a comic novel but of course it's deeply serious as well about of um, Australia of a certain time so i I think it's an amazing um, capacity of her to sort of in a sense see some of the um, some of the broader issues about australia and she's she, of course, in the book, if you really look at it, she's very much more sympathetic to the European refos, you know, the new, inverted commas, new Australians. You know, She, they are the ones who come from the old world of Europe with all of the, you know, great food, the sophistication, you know, the sort of um, knowledge that will take Australia into along a different path. And I guess in some ways she was not completely wrong about that. But the sort of Aussie Australians, um, she's not cruel to them, but she is at times a little less um they're a little less um, perfect than the than the than the Europeans and so that reflects I think her own background her own childhood her mother um, was a was French a French Romanian background she began to idealize and idolize her mother I think particularly I guess after her death and so that world of you know a European um, sensibility sort of really uh, Came to be seen by Madeline, I think, as the as a sort of sensibility that um, that we should be after. But I think one of the great things about the book is that she tackles some of these big big questions around, you know, um, really immigration and uh, and uh, you know what Australia should be in the next, you know, in the second part of the twentieth century in a way that's quite light and with a very light touch. Um, none of her ideas and, and in any of her books. Ever delivered with any um, heavy-handedness, you know. You 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 feel you you stumble through them in some ways. You know, she 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 articulates them through the characters and through the dialogue, and through the little stories. And uh, you know, it's it, it, that that's a real pleasure, I think, to realise that you can read the books on so many different levels, really, because they're deceptively simple and light.
1: Yes, because you've got that sparkle on the harbour next to some quite telling comments about things like the woman who's never known how much her husband's earned and never will know it.
0: Yeah, that's right. And look, she wasn't a... You know, I think she would have hated the idea of ever being seen as a feminist. Um, and uh, yet the book is very much a story about women, um, their place or, or their lack of place, uh, lack of space almost in the society. You know, it's a coming of age story, of course, of um, Leslie, the little, the, you know, the teenager who goes to work at the department store and then sort of discovers a new world and, you know, gets to university, et cetera. So there are some big ideas in there around a, a changing society, but yes, I, I think uh, you know as they're delivered in a way that is um, really quite um, you know it, they, it can look like a small book, can't it? It can feel at times like it's a little a little book, not a huge book, but yet it's got tackled some big issues.
1: Yes, with transformation after transformation as well. Now, Helen, there are a few lines from uh, the women in Black in particular that interest me. One is that the cultivated ones have gone away. Have left Australia, comments uh, Magda. Tell us about that line, the clever well, ones have gone away.
0: Yeah, well, she was part of that group at Sydney University. You know, Clive James, Jermaine Greer had turned up towards the end of the time that um, Madeline was at Sydney Uni, uh, you know, Bruce Beresford, and many others, and her generation. Uh, would have seen themselves as the cultivated ones at university. She was very interested in, you know, she had literature. She was very interested in, um, you know, in high literature, I guess, you know, and also, you know, the, the French films, you know, that were coming into Australia, et cetera. And she she saw um, that group, her cohort, as the cultivated ones who had to get out and go somewhere else because Sydney was just not their place, you know. They were never going to expand there. So I think that's about that and about that generation, I guess.
1: Another important line spoken both to and about Lisa slash Leslie, a clever girl is the most wonderful thing in all creation. So what did it mean to St. John looking back on clever girls in the 1950s?
0: Yeah, interesting. I mean, I think that's interesting because she was a clever girl. And of course, her life story is that she never really... Um, made it in the, you know, that that cleverness didn't really um, turn out to be her salvation, you know, so she, for many years from her until she was really fifteen she had started having success with the books, she had been a, very much had a very, had no career, basically. She was working in little antique shops and she was doing little bits of um, filing work for lawyers, you know, and she never sort of made it. She couldn't get there. So she she knew herself, I think, as um, and recognised she was clever and I think had been really um, held back by her own personality, by events, I guess. she You know, she no doubt blamed, she certainly blamed her father, it's a very, very clever line, and um but it, it's also it it almost I think reflects the fact that she had not enjoyed uh, for a long time the fruits of her own cleverness, you know, so I think that's I guess that's what she's saying there.
1: But also interesting that she gives her character the things that are stepping in front of her ambitions, uh, often based on class and the expectations of her family, whereas it wasn't class so much that was holding, Madeline back.
0: Yes, I find that quite fascinating. I was thinking about that today. She, because of course she is not Lisa or Leslie's class, you know, she's a class above that. Um, you know, the St. John's had a place in Sydney society, not a hugely rich one, but, uh, but but at some levels quite privileged. I mean, I think Madeline had a quite a sense of where she sat in the world, you know, um, a, a sense of herself in the world. So it is interesting that she has, a, as her heroine in the um, in the story, someone who was um, held back by class and I guess that's just maybe maybe that's really just her you know her capacity for imagination as, an, as a novelist you know she wasn't it's not an autobiography you know it's not completely autobiographical there are a lot of autobiographical uh, elements to to um, the women in black but it's not really an autobiographical novel as such you you see her popping up and i and and maybe in some ways I, i often wonder whether she was she would have liked to have been lisa you know she would have liked that happy relatively happy family the mother you know the secure mother who made the clothes and you know was sort of um you know just totally um unconditional love for the the daughter you know the sort of stuff that she didn't really experience um herself So I think she had a bit of an idealised version of of life, um, of other people's lives, you know, what other families could be.
1: Well, and even, as you say, she didn't have a conventional relationship to work. But this book, The Women in Black, is so much about work and the world of work and the little sort of microcosms within it. Both women working together in the department stores, but also what they knew and didn't know about their... Husbands and and partners work.
0: So, what was she responding to? Do you think what was she interested in well, about work? See, I, yeah. See, I, what I what I find amazing about that, and I couldn't agree with you more, is. Her capacity to observe other people's lives, to sit outside and sort of look at other people's lives and, and really nail it <laughs> is amazing, really, because, as you say, she didn't do the Christmas rush. She didn't really know anything about um, working lives, um, either uh, as a young person or as an older person. She, I think she's an incredibly good observer. And um, she the fact that she can understand... Um, Relationships, for example, between women and relationship between uh, men and women. That, in some ways, you wonder whether she'd actually had that experience. Is I think quite remarkable. She was a great. Um, I like to think of her um, on the bus in um, in London, you know, in her impecunious days, and she would travel by by bus, and I think I think either a friend of hers told me or that might be one of her letters where she was a great listener to other people's conversations. She got, had tremendous um, capacity for language, and I think that she might also have been quite a good mimic. Her, her sister, Colette um, Sinjin, who I interviewed for the book as well, uh, was renowned as a great mimic apparently. So I think language, she had a great ear, and she picked up in, on the very nuanced... Um, signals, you know, uh, in 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 the stuff she observed uh, to sort of really build stories. So, yeah, she was very, very clever, I think, about that. And, and maybe it, it came partly from the fact that she did sit outside, you know, and, and looked, at, looked at the world of work and looked at other people's lives.
1: And listened. I mean, there's a whole mm. chapter in the Women in Black that is just, the party scene, that is just dialogue yeah. from Magda's perspective. Yep. And it absolutely
0: yep. fizzes. Yeah, she's fantastic on dialogue. I mean, at the opening of um, uh, a pure clear light is um, there's a lot of dialogue at the beginning of that book, and I think it, it's really captivating. She um, yeah, she was just terrific on uh, on language. Occasionally, in the women in black, she gets it wrong. I was reading a little bit. No, it's it's a different book. Sorry, it's not women in black. I think it's a uh, pure clear light. She has a she has a party um, in London, and and there's a um, there's an Australian painter there or something and he keeps saying things like bonza and (laughs) Butte, and it does it doesn't work at all well and she's writing in the 90s and she's she gets it wrong you know and it's um it's that but you know she really does that that really happens um and i think she certainly uh the english books the london novels are are, are, i think fantastic on um on sort of language and getting the you know elements of class and family and you know young you know middle-class londoners professional londoners you know she gets them very very accurately i think
1: so as you say she began publishing in her 50s i think there's only four published novels what do you admire about her as a writer why does she matter
0: Um, oh look i think she matters because she i think the dialogue matters i think she's she's good at that and the observation matters but i think probably the thing that we ought to um, focus on a little bit more is the way that she was really interested in some really big questions around, around how to be. And someone once said of her that she was interested in the theological issues. You know, she's really interested in knowing how you live a moral life. You know, in a secular society. So there's a fair degree of religion in, in in madeline's life towards the end you know by the time in her 50s by the, by that stage of her life she was um, a sort of a cultural anglican uh, i guess all her life and uh, but she did go regularly to church um in those uh, later years and she was interested in um uh, how, in the in the temporal nature of of the world uh in the transience of the world in what really made sense you know she said to her friends i guess love is a only real, you know, really permanent thing, perhaps love and perhaps art are the permanent elements of life. Um, So she's interested in, you know, some big... big issues, I think, you know, the, the biggest issues of all, really, about about life with a capital L and what it means. And I think that she has... Um, ..that aspect of her work comes out very gently. Um, but if you... Particularly when you start to look for it, it's really all there. So I guess I think she matters in that way. I'm not... I wouldn't... You wouldn't suggest that she's, um, I guess, you know, one of the... You know, she's not necessarily one of the major Australian writers of, you know, of all time, but, you know, she has got... Um, you know she had some things to say and she said them she's and she's also extremely entertaining i mean the books are easy to read um and and good reads uh, and you can go back and read and reread them and they st- give you a lot of pleasure i think
1: i've only read the women in black so what do you recommend which of her books do you particularly
0: admire uh, well The two that I um, really admire, I love A Pure Clear Light, and that's um, the second published book of hers, and that actually tells a story of an affair. um, And so the husband in that relationship is looking for, you know, meaning, I guess, in an affair, um, and the wife, meanwhile, is looking for meaning by trying to go back to the church. So, look, extraordinary story, really. I mean, you never really get very many modern writers who... Who sort of value religion, you know, uh, rather than dismiss it, and um, so she she's um, she's that that really struck me. That's quite unusual. That's a terrific little book. And then the one that, of course, was nominated for the Booker but didn't win in 1997 is um, the the um, the essence of the thing, which is again about another affair. So she's interested in you know infidelity and betrayal. <laughs> And you know, and and uh, disappointments. Um, that's a, that's a lovely um, little book again about an affair. But again, it's about the um, getting a woman getting over um, a broken relationship. Um, and uh, terrifically done. Her final book, the final published book, is a Stairway to Paradise. Similar um, story about uh, a couple of men, both of whom are in love with the same uh, woman. Um, and it's great. It perhaps a little bit more uneven. Um, than the other two, and of course there was a there was a fifth um, sort of manuscript which I've um, seen. It was Bruce Beresford, uh, as a literary executor, had a look at it and decided whether or not they could publish it after her death. But it's a bit too. Um, it's a bit too fragmented. Um, so she was trying to write a, another book uh, towards the end of her life when she was suffering so much from emphysema and bad health that it was very hard to, to get it done. But uh, maybe sometime along the way that book will get published as well in some form and those of us who love to read her will be able to have a, have a, get another novel.
1: So as a reader and a, a re-reader, given that you've written a biography that's both you know, a life story and a sort of literary biography... What did that do to your reading of her work?
0: Um, I think it made me uh, look, uh, certainly made me look at it more deeply in some ways because, for example, when I first read um, The Women in Black, I didn't really like it that much. I sort of thought, oh, this is a bit too light, you know. So, but but then reading it and rereading it a few times, I I think I saw much more in it. Um, So, yes, I guess I, uh, I did sort of really appreciate it more and I appreciated the... Um, the gap between her. I could see in her books how she's trying to work out in her later life some of the struggles that I think she had all her life about what life, what, what life is really about, you know, the meaning of life, to put it in, it sounds very clichéd, but I think she was trying to work out some of those and she she was trying to work it out through telling um, stories, really, that were, I suppose, on one hand, could just be seen as, um, you know, stories of romance or, you know, unrequited love or broken relationships. But, um, yeah, those are the big things, I guess, so she, <laughs> she nailed it. Is there anything else about
1: her writing that you'd want to say?
0: Um, I think it's very um, spare and it's very elegant. She has a great capacity to set a scene without actually describing the scene. So, you know, uh, you get a sense of it immediately being there in a, in a place and you can almost visualise it, which I think is very clever. It's usually done through, you know, a few words and then, then the dialogue. So I think she's very... Um, She's very uh, good at that. She's quite, um, there's quite a lot of fun and, and sort of irony in her books as well. And she does that um, very lightly. I love the way, one of the small things that she does brilliantly, she's, she, her children are really interesting, the characters in her books. She's got several children in 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 the books. And they're always pretty um, astute. They probably are a bit older than their years, um, and they and she 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 really um, values them. And yet she had no children of her own, um, which and but she had a she had a great sense of um, the importance of children uh, to in the in the world, and and a sense of giving them a sort of a dignity almost, uh, which I which is also really really lovely. And she wasn't particularly what's interesting is she's not particularly political so you can read those books when the uh, the london books I set in the 90s but they seem very contemporary you know they they they're not um they're timeless in that sense i think
1: oh helen thank you so much for speaking to us
0: yeah thank you indeed
1: helen trinker's madeline a life of madeline John is published by text i'm kate evans from radio national's weekly bookshelf program and monthly book club and by subscribing to this podcast you will also hear regular podcast extra interviews including writers talking about the books that have shaped them and others like this one on the life of a writer tell your friends and meanwhile keep reading keep listening till next time